Here we are, day two of the GBMP Northeast Lean Conference and the New England Lean Podcast. Kachow. Kachow. Doctor, <laughs> I have to say that now, Dr. Mohamed Saleh. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, good, Thank you good. for having me. Yeah, congrats on the PhD. What, it's Thank a couple you. years now? Yeah, almost two years. Has the time. tattoo healed up that you got? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I have to color it in. <laughs> 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 well played, Mohammed. Well played. So how you been? We haven't see, physically seen each other in a long time, I even know. though we live 10 minutes apart. Exactly. Which is sad. <laughs> I mean, technically, I think we always could hit Duncan, right? There's one perfectly right in the middle. Like five, six minutes away from both of us. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. So how I we, we chatted yesterday. You were hanging out at the show. Um, you got to see more seminars and workshops than I did because I was here. So mm-hmm. what did you think of day one? I thought day one was spectacular. I um, I really enjoyed the speakers a lot. Uh, I think uh, a few of them stood out for me. Uh, the primarily um, the the, f- the first one, which was the uh, the UMass, um, the healthcare organization, the keynote speaker. I mm-hmm. think he did a phenomenal job. I think it's uh, Eric Dixon. Eric right? Dixon, yep. Yeah. And he uh, and he really uh, pointed out a few things that I have done in the past and some of the mistakes that he's made. I, I, I have the same scar, so I was able to relate to him a lot. Yep. Uh, but to see someone in that leadership role up on stage was uh, inspiring. Yeah, because uh, it takes a certain amount of humility to be able to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, and it, I mean, we talk about it on the show all the time, and you and I have chatted about this umpteen times, yeah. but, for, you know, and that's a big part of, I think, a successful lean journey yeah. is the fact that, um, uh, you know, uh, a senior level leader can be humble and there's a CEO of a client of ours nearby and yeah. he calls it getting naked. Yeah. He's like, you got to just get naked. Yeah. Which, and he says it a little bit for the shock value. Uh-huh. But it's like, no, you got to be, you know, open and honest yeah. because you're never going to fix anything if people are you know, scared or hiding things from you. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yep. Um, the, the, the second one was uh, uh, the one I attended was the disruptive architecture. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, so what did that? What was it like? Like, what did they talk about? I saw that on the agenda, and I didn't, I couldn't make it. Yeah, so I was the presenter. So. <laughs> I know. That's how I, I was. <laughs> um, I th- uh, that that was interesting because um, it was really focusing on um, a lot of people. We talk about principles a lot, but no one knows what to do with them. Hmm. Um, and so the the core of the presentation was how do you how do your systems get influenced by these principles so they could be redesigned to produce right behaviors. And it was coming at it from a perspective of the organization being the voice of the customer rather than us being the voice of the customer. A lot of like the shingle model comes from a certain perspective. The uh, Likers work comes from a certain perspective. All very valid. And the, what was presented yesterday was just from a very different perspective. It was the char- socio characteristics of the organization itself. What do they have to say about these, these adoptions? And so I thought uh, that was uh, well received. I got a lot of questions afterwards. I think that shows people that are uh, you know passionate and wanting to try to do principle-based architecture. So that was good. So how do you talk a little bit about that? And and I was going to ask you about because I knew obviously that you presented. So talk a little bit about that. How did like physically, um, tactically, how does that work? That's a great question. So like let's say uh, you went to an organization and they wanted to do daily management and you helped them set up daily management. A lot of us as practitioners, that's what we do. And so um, what I've learned over the years is a lot of times I find when I do that I make things worse. And I could never understand why I'm making things worse. And I was like, oh, that's part of the process. I'm uncovering things. And so that's why it looks like it's worse. These problems were always there. I just made it visible. And the more I got to doing it, the more I realized, no, there's a fundamental issue here is that the leadership 
has a certain mindset or the organization has a certain mindset and if you just put a daily management system without changing that mindset, you could actually make it worse. So now you were able to give the chain of command information faster to blame you faster. Mm. Now you'd created leader standard work so they could go to the Gemba and they could scrutinize you more. Um, and so without changing those mindsets, I find that we're setting up structures to make it faster for them to just continue the behaviors that they had before. Um, and so I spent a lot of time trying to change behaviors and I realized the fundamental issue is the systems are producing these behaviors. And so unless you change the system, um, you won't get those, um, th those uh, the outputs that you're looking for. And so th then I started exploring like what, what could have been the design principle that caused these behaviors to come to life? Like these systems had to be designed by someone who was thinking about something. Mm -hmm. And so what were the design principles that caused them to design it this way that it produces that? And it, it could be something as simple as like, okay, so like, um, uh, let's say, we noticed that a lot of people in the organization are focusing on, um, their self over the organization. Mm. So there's, it seems like there's a mindset in this organization that, it's, uh, that the organization is self over team. Um, that's the principle that they're following and the behavior that we're able to see is something like their annual performance reviews. Uh, their annual performance reviews are, are meant to pin you against me and only one of us is going to get a merit increase. Mm -hmm. And so I have no incentive to make you win uh, and so that structure is designed to solidify that it's self over team. Mm -hmm. And so if I wanted to do team over self, I might have to change the performance review process to assess an entire team rather than an individual. But the system that we have does the, do that, the individual, and there has to be a reason that it was about the individual, is that because we're looking at self-optimization rather than team optimization. Um, That's a really good point. I, and honestly, God, I, ne I never really thought of it quite that way, but it's interesting that you, you know, put it that way. Cause I can see, you know, honestly, I can see both sides yeah. a little, right? Because I, we've, and anybody listening, probably I'm going to, uh, uh, project, <laughs> right? Project that we've all been in that situation and, and I'll use my own knowledge or experience as an example. You know, I've been a manager, I've had people and I get a bucket of money at the end of the year mm -hmm. to say, and they say, here you go. Um, Distribute it amongst your team how you see fit. Mm -hmm. So you give your A players, you know, A players, mm -hmm. I'm air quoting for, you know, so nobody at me <laughs> on Twitter. <clears throat> uh, you know, your A players, you know, 4%. Mm -hmm. And then you throttle it down and maybe you give the low 1% or, mm -hmm. or zero. zero. Sometimes, sometimes it's yeah. zero. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I can count on one hand in my whole career the times I've done that. Every single time was a, a flaming failure. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah, just bad, yeah. right? Um, and some of it, it was, you know, and I, as a manager, I'll take the responsibility that I uh, hadn't hadn't put enough thought and effort along the way. So it was a little bit of a surprise for folks at the end of the year, and that's never a good thing, yeah. right? The only good surprises are the bonus checks, which, you know, those days are probably gone. Yeah. So I, I can see it from that perspective. But to your point, too, which is, you know, if it's you and me, and it's coming up review time. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try the, somewhere, sub, maybe even subconsciously, yeah. I'm gonna try to make you look worse than me, so I get more money. Yeah. Um, but then on the other, on the flip side, if you do the team thing, mm -hmm. it's like, well, now you've got right, you've got well, you know, we've got a team of five, and you've got three, you know, A players, mm -hmm. and then maybe you have one or two, or you know, that they're, eh, they're flaking out a little bit, mm -hmm. and they're not really, you know, whatever, right? 
So then I can see those arguments come about too, which is, well, why do we all get the same amount? Because Paul's, you know, over here, you know, playing tiddlywinks and blowing bubbles. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the deal? So how do you, have you ever put that into, into enacted? Have you done the team, you know, win as a team, lose as a team thing? Uh, yeah, I, I've done it with the executive team, uh, where you know the the executive level bonuses are team based, mm. and so if I'm the finance person and I hit my targets, and you're the HR person and you didn't, none of us get a bonus, mm. and so I'm incentivized to help you win so that we both win. Same with at, at a micro level, if there's a team and there's two weak players and three strong ones, but we're all gonna win, win or lose together. Um, I'm going to be incentivized to grow and help the low performers because we either all win or all sink together. Mm. So there's this commodity that happens among the team that allows for even the weak players to get supported by someone other than the leader because they all want to go in together. Right. Um, and so I found it to be very effective at the high level. I have not practiced it yet at the low level yet. And that's, yeah, so there may be a difference there. Of we'll course. have to yeah. run an experiment, I guess, yeah. at some point yeah. and see. But I love the way you put it because, and that's the essence, I, to me at least, that's one of the essences of lean, yeah. right? I mean, that's the respect for people and the whole, like, we win or we lose together. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I was thinking, I mean, we have a, a client that do hand assembly. Mm -hmm. And we have, there's one person on in that crew of like five or six. Mm -hmm. she, she can outrun the other by almost two to one. It's mm -hmm. like one in seven, five, you know. Like, and she can go. Mm -hmm. And the conversation we had with her was, you know, you, we get it. Like, you can do your work really fast, but you're first in line. So when you go faster, all you're doing is overloading the next person. Yep. And physically, she would stack up inventory in between the two people. And they're, they're literally elbow to elbow. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of room there. Well, she'd only keep going. And then she put it on a rack beside her and then underneath the bench and then all over the place until finally it got to the point around, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. She's physically out of room. So she just gets up and leaves and goes and does something for however long. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the conversation that we had and continue to have is we get it that. Well, let me back up her rebuttal when we we say, you know, maybe don't do that because there's all these reasons. She said, well, listen, the goal is this per shift. I can hit that goal. Why do I have to slow down because nobody else can keep up with me? And it's I, we have that conversation that you just described. It's like, well, listen, you can win as an individual, but you're actually hurting the whole team yeah. because the, the goal is, you know, X amount per shift out the end of the assembly line, mm -hmm. not per person. Now, to make it there, each person has to be able to do that, yes. Mm -hmm. But if you get done by 1 p.m., and everybody, it takes everybody else till four, mm -hmm. it doesn't do anything. It actually hurts, like, because, and there have been times where all that extra inventory, you know, some of it gets knocked over and scratched, and then she's got to take it back apart. I mean, there's rework and all mm -hmm. the other bad stuff that, yeah. you know, you read about in a textbook. Yeah. So it's interesting, but I've, it's, as you were talking, I've never, I've never, you know, I have that conversation, you know, hundreds of times a yeah. year, but, I've never really thought about tying it back to overall performance and, you know, annual reviews or pay scale and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, but if you had a principle that was team over self, 
you wouldn't be ending, you wouldn't even have this conversation. Mm. Uh, like the performance review would never be about an individual. Um, it might not even be about a team, it might be about a value stream. So which value streams are performing better and everyone in that value stream wins. Um, and that really would eliminate all sub-optimizations because if I, if I have to, like in healthcare for example, if I say, you know what, if we're able to reduce our abandoned calls from you know 30% down to 5%, everyone that touches that you know gets X. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so if I'm then, you know, finished with a call and you're on the phone and a call comes in, but I just answered two and you only answered one, I'm still incentivized to pick up that, that call because as a team, we have to hit that number. Mm -hmm. um, when we start saying, you know what, you answered 500 calls this week and I only answered 200, you're a better performer than I, that starts to make me start having, burning, you're actually burning relationships mm -hmm. based on that. And so um, there's a lot that comes from it if, if done based on a principle, so. Hmm. See, now I feel really, I felt already felt bad that I didn't go. I couldn't make it in there. And now I feel like, a, I well, feel extra bad. No, now you actually, well, I could easily sit with you and do it one on one. Yeah, that's true, right? We do, again, we have the Duncan that we can always hit up. But yeah, I mean, that's, and then, you know, it's, I wish, well, I shouldn't say I wish. I'm working towards, and I think we all are, and anybody that's listening, you know, as all lean practitioners, we're all working towards that effort. Mm -hmm. And I think when we finally figure that part out, we'll really see the power of all of this. Because yeah. you're right. And, you know, here in America, right, mm -hmm. we're a capitalist society. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, me first. And you mm -hmm. see it even even leaving here yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, out of the parking garage. Yeah. You, there was, there, I, could, I could give you three examples of the me first yeah. coming, you know. It's like you easily could have just, you know let somebody go in front of you and it was kind of sort of their turn. Nope. Forget that. It's like, I've already waited 15 minutes. I'm mm -hmm. not waiting, you know, and the whole thing. And it's always a, a little interesting to me that, you know, and I don't know if those people were here at the conference. So mm -hmm. let's assume that they're not yeah. right. But you, we see it all the time, yeah. you know, out in just the real world. And I'm hopeful that we can kind of work towards getting rid of that or, yeah. or at least minimizing it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So what's on tap for the rest of the day? So um, we were able to do, uh, I was able to see Steven Spears today. Mm -hmm. uh, we both got to, uh, to watch him today. Um, I, uh, I, I'm always uh, amused and educated by that individual. Yeah. Uh, great, great speaker and um, great writer too. Uh, but definitely today he, uh, he pointed out, he validated a lot of things that I knew and I like how he simplified like what the phases were in his head. and. Uh, uh, so that was fun, and uh, I got to see Larry's today's presentation as well. Larry Anderson. Larry Anderson. Yep. 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 And uh, Larry Anderson, uh, you know, does both the AME work and the Shingo work. So was interested today as I watched him to see how he's merging the two worlds together, um, and just uh, a lot of visibility to some cool stuff that's coming out of AME. So that yeah. was that was good to see as well. Nice. And uh, actually, the, full disclosure, because I mean, I'm not videoing these. Yeah. I'm just it's audio. So <laughs> AME's right next to me. And they, you know, because I used to be on the Northeast board. So yeah. I was hanging out with uh, Kurt Johnson all day yesterday, yeah. yucking it up and stuff. So <laughs> that was a good time. It was good to see him again. That's but awesome. yeah, so AME, you know, it's a good organization. Certainly they're a good part. Bruce is on the board of uh, the Northeast region still, yeah. even besides doing president of GBMP. Yeah. And, you know, toasting cinnamon raisin bread. So. <laughs> So, the, you know, he's a busy dude. I yeah. hope, I hope, you know, I, I'm in awe of that man. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So. Same here. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. 
well, I'll let you get going, Mohammed. Thanks awesome. for stopping by. Thank you. Thank and you for having me. Yeah, man. We gotta we gotta do like a full length episode. Absolutely. I shortly. look forward to it. All right. All take right. it easy. Take care. <laughs>